Last Saturday, I was at an ordination. Now, I've been to many priestly ordinations, ordinations for bishops and for deacons, but this one was extra special because, well, because it was my own. Yes, finally, after four years of formation, I was ordained to the permanent diaconate for the Archdiocese of Toronto. In preparing for my ordination, I spent some time reflecting on how I got to this point. And there are so many factors, but perhaps the most significant was the two years that I spent working for the World Youth Day 2002 National Committee. World Youth Day taught me what church really is. It taught me that we are all called to be saints. World Youth Day also taught me that Christ calls us to follow him as disciples, but at some point he needs you to be an apostle. He sends us out to proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth. World Youth Day also taught me that if God has a plan for you, there's no point in resisting. Sooner or later, God will have his way. I didn't know what to expect for my ordination. I cannot remember how I felt before my baptism or first communion or confirmation. I can imagine how I may have felt before our wedding, but I don't quite remember. However, on Saturday, May 26, I felt how I feel every time I go on a trip. I felt that I was forgetting something, my passport maybe. And I guess, in a way, that's exactly what was happening. I was setting out on a journey, the journey of serving Christ and his body, the church. During the ceremony, I was struck by how everything about the diaconate can be traced right back to the time of the 12 apostles. The first reading from the book of Acts tells the story about the first seven deacons that the apostles ordained to help them serve the most marginalized people of the time, the Greek-speaking Jewish widows and orphans. The best-known first deacons of that group were St. Stephen and St. Philip. In the second reading, St. Paul writes to Timothy and tells him what type of a man would make a good deacon. They must be serious, not double-tongued, not indulging in much wine, not greedy for money. The diaconate goes way back to when it all started. The prayer of consecration for deacons asks that they may excel in every virtue, in love that is sincere, in concern for the sick and the poor, in unassuming authority, in self-discipline, and in holiness of life. It then asks that they may imitate Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve. And that is my prayer today. I pray that I and the 13 men who were ordained with me excel in every virtue. I also want to thank each one of you for the years of support and prayers. This journey would not have been possible without all the prayers, and I would have to write a book to tell of all the little stories and messages of support and encouragement that I received during my formation. May each one of you say yes to the one who calls you to proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Radio Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we're joined by Mark Matthews. He's our Hollywood undercover missionary. He has an update on the Mary movie. And uh, Sheridan just got married, so she's away this week. But we'll be joined by Salt and Light associate producer Sebastian Gomes, who will be sitting in her diocesan update chair. And Andrew Santos will be also with us here with our Saint of the Week, and that's all coming up. But first, Chris Dimitrenko is sitting right here with me. Hi, Pedro. Deacon Pedro. Yes, Sorry. thank you. Get it right. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, what's in the headlines? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about uh, a huge event that's going on in Milan, as we speak, right. Um, but there's another massive international event that's going to be uh, taking place in mid-June. I've got details about who is going to be there. And finally, 
uh, the Pope had something to say about Vatican leaks. Everybody else has had their say. The right. Pope has finally spoken. Okay, good. I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to hearing about that. Mm -hmm. Now, Chris, you know that we've been talking about this personhood bill um, that was presented yes, in Parliament. Right. It's supposed to mm -hmm. go to vote next week, from what mm -hmm. I understand. So we're going to be joined today by Natalie hudson uh, Sonnen of Life Canada, who's going to explain what the bill is and what it would mean if it was passed. Mm. Um, and our featured artist of the week is, uh, he's been around for a long time. I don't know if you've, you've heard of him, Tom Booth. I guess I have. Yeah, mm -hmm. Tom has been around. If people know anything about Life Team, they might have heard about Tom Booth. Um, I'm really excited to have him on the program. Uh, and we're going to start with one of his songs. So here he is with Slipping. You are the ground Die in the grave God let me fall And disappear You are the door Faith is the booth with slipping and we're going to be speaking with tom in the second half of the program but now uh for now chris is still here with our headlines so what's happening in milan well it's the world meeting of families and pope benedict is there it's the seventh edition of the world meeting of families and the last one was held a few years ago back in 2009 and uh, it's put on by the pontifical council for the family and uh, mm. we actually have some uh, Canadians who were going to be there. There's a, an official Canadian delegation, Actually but also, Colf, yeah. but uh, yeah, from Colf, um, 
but there's Canadians from all over who are going to be there. If you go to the Salt and Light blog, you'll hear some testimonies, some updates from people uh, who are going there and who will be joined by Pope Benedict XVI. Right. Now, the Pope won't be going, though, to the International Eucharistic Congress. Mm -mm. Um, instead, he's going to be uh, replaced by his papal legate, it's called, um, who is Cardinal Marc Ouellette, the, oh, um, the former Archbishop of Quebec, who uh, led his own Eucharistic Congress back in 2008 when it was held in his city, Quebec City at the time, before he was called to the Vatican to serve uh, in the Congregation for bishops. Mm -hmm. Now, here are some of the um, some of the most interesting speakers who are going to be there, and you'll be able to watch all of this um, on Salt and Light Television. And if you're in the United States and if you don't have access to our our network on TV, you can still follow us online, and we'll actually be streaming the Congress events online and on demand. So, uh, whenever you want, you can go there and find these events, and that's at saltandlighttv.org/iec. And here are some of the people that, that you're going to hear from over the course of the week. Two of the interesting presenters on Monday are Brother Alois Lozé, the head of the Teze community. Uh, for those of you who are Focolarini, that's the term, right? I think so. Um, Dr. Maria Voce, the head of Focolari, mm, is going She's to be there. Excellent. Um, finally, on the Friday, uh, one of the speakers is Patriarch Fouad Twelve was the Latin Patriarch of oh, Jerusalem. Yeah. And so we have people from all That's over amazing. the world coming. A Saturday, one speaker who I'm really looking forward to is Archbishop Louis Togle. Now, he was a bishop uh, at the time, not an archbishop, when he spoke at the Eucharistic Congress in, in 2008. And, and for many people, that was one of the highlights of the Congress was, was, was his catechesis. And then finally, it all concludes on the weekend with the Stasio Orbis, the final Mass, and that's going to be presided by Cardinal Mark Ouellette. And if you, you can go to saltandlighttv.org slash IEC to find the whole program, other resources, and, uh, and the different times when these different events are going to be happening. Can you just remind us of the dates? Because it's June. Uh, yes, June 10th to June 17th. So that's Sunday through Sunday. Absolutely. And Chris Dimitrenko will be hosting I'll all be our coverage. That's and he's right. going to be there. So if you are yep. there, go look him up and say hello. Yes, yes, I'll be there. Um, uh, Father Thomas Rizika from Salt and Light will be there. Sebastian Gomes. So we'll have, yeah. we'll have a team there uh, bringing you updates. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Now, um, finally, uh, Vataleaks, as it's called. Mm. Now, I don't want to talk too much about this because it seems like everybody knows about it. I often ask some of my friends who are, who are Catholics uh, but don't necessarily, you know, follow Catholic news religiously what they know about these stories because often something that might seem, you know, like very big news for, for, for me <laughs> is something that only, you know, people who really Nobody closely follow yes. church news have any idea that this is going on. But this is a story that's really uh, sort of transcended Vatican news and mm -hmm. entered the popular uh, popular mainstream media. And, and my friend uh, uh, Joe Zambone, uh, the musician yeah, yeah. who we've heard on, on Salt and Light, you know, he's been on tour, uh, touring his new album. And so even though he's been sort of away from TV and everything, he, he he's seems to have heard all the details and wow. all the rumors. Now, there's, a, there's not a lot... Uh, there's still a lot of speculation and very few facts about how many people are involved, although it seems that uh, the Pope's butler uh, had information. But beyond that, uh, it all seems to be speculation. But the Pope spoke about this during his general audience on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And he said that 
Um, these recent events have brought sadness to his heart. But, he said, the firm conviction that despite human weakness, despite difficulties and trials, the church is guided by the Holy Spirit has never diminished. And he also said, nevertheless, some entirely gratuitous rumors have multiplied, amplified by some media, which went well beyond the facts, offering a picture of the Holy See that does not correspond to reality. And he goes on to reiterate his confidence and encouragement to his staff and those, he says, who work day in and day out faithfully and with a spirit of sacrifice, quietly helping me in fulfilling my ministry. So he's really trying to uh, instill and build people's confidence in, in the leadership mm-hmm. at the Holy See, even though um, from the outside, I mean, many people are saying it's looking like a big mess. It does look like a big mess. And uh, part of me, it's, I mean, it's very sad. Mm-hmm. But I guess if there's corruption somewhere, it needs to be cleaned up. I don't know. I, I There you go. That's my opinion. Mm. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that story mm-hmm. in the weeks to come. And looking forward to the Eucharistic Congress. Yes. Krista Matrenko, our Salt and Light radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, remember we loved your emails. Just uh, send us one, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, this is Sister Marie Paul Curley, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. But before that, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Pedro, how, no, I, I can't even say Pedro anymore. It's Deacon Pedro. Deacon, yes. Oh, man. Thank you. Congratulations thank to you. Thank you very it's, much. It's quite... For our listeners, it's quite surreal sitting in the surreal. booth with, uh, with, uh, with the a newly deacon. ordained deacon. Wow. Congratulations, yes, thank Pedro. Thank you. Thank you. Deacon it's, it's, Pedro. It's been good. It's been good. Okay. Uh, we're going to look at St. Boniface today. St. Boniface. Yes, that's right. Okay. Don't uh, know anything about him. Okay. Well, well now learn. you know. And you'll be able to go to your pastor, whose, whose name, name is, is Father, Boniface, Father Boniface, and say, hey, that's I learned true. something this week on Salt and Light Radio. That's true. So St. Boniface, he originally had the name Winifrith. Okay. Um, that was... <laughs> It's <laughs> okay. Okay. And it was given to him um, by his English parents, who were very—they were very well off, well-to-do people in England. Yes, Boniface okay. was born near Exeter in in, in England. England. Okay. So as a boy, um, this actually this I should say is for our associate producer Sebastian Gomes, who joined us today on Salt yes. and Light Radio. He studied in a Benedictine. He studied in Benedictine monastery schools, and became a monk himself in the process. Mm-hmm. So for 30 years, basically, he lived in, um, you know, peace. He studied. He had the chance to teach, and he was praying. Um, in his early 40s, he decided to leave the the seclusion of the monastery and wanted to do missionary work uh-huh. throughout Europe. So, um, because of his first efforts in what is now common day Netherlands, um, because they were so unsuccessful, Winifrith, uh-huh. <laughs> love that name, Winifrith went to Rome in search of direction. So Pope Gregory II renamed him Boniface, which means a doer of good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he delegated him to go out and spread the good news in Germany. So that's what he went and did. In seven, in the year 719, the missionary monks set out on what was to be a very dynamic experience. Mm. Uh, he helped to convert. He was known to help convert thousands of people. And in the year 722, Pope Gregory II... Mm-hmm consecrated him bishop 
for all of Germ Germany. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So for 30 years, Boniface worked to um, organize the church, reform it in Germany, and uh, linking the communities with Rome. So he enlisted the help of English monks, as well as some nuns, to, to preach to the people, strengthen their spirit. And he founded the monastery of Fulda uh -huh. in Germany. Um, and that place is now the yearly meeting place for uh, the, the German Conference of Catholic Bishops. Okay. So about 746 in the year, uh, Boniface was appointed the Archbishop of Mainz. Mainz. Uh -huh. I don't know how you would Mainz. pronounce it in Germany. Yeah. German. Uh, he settled there for several years um, as head for all of the German churches. Mm -hmm. um, over the years, he kept up extensive correspondences. He um, sought out directives of the Pope. Um, he gave information to the Pope about various Christian communities in Germany. And um, in his 80s, um, still filled with the uh, power of the Holy Spirit with yeah, zeal, zeal. Uh, Boniface went back to preach in Frisia. But in 754, um, near the town of Dokum, Boniface and many of his friends were attacked by a group of savage locals, and they were put to death. Okay. So his remains were later taken uh, back to Fulda, where he was revered as a martyr to the Christian mm -hmm. faith. He is commonly known as St. Boniface the Martyr. Uh -huh. So all in all, Boniface was a man of action. Uh, he was very sensitive to people's feelings. Um, you know, he was just absolutely um, brilliant, was just an organizi organizing genius. Mm -hmm. And he is considered to be one of the greatest Anglo-Saxon missionaries. So we celebrate his feast day on Tuesday of this week, June the 5th. June the 5th. And to all of our friends in St. Boniface, Manitoba, Oh. Happy St. Boniface Day to you. That's right. So for any of our listeners. Yes, in St. Boniface. Yeah, that's right. And that is the name of my pastor in Bradford, St. Bo Father Boniface. Right. I'm going to start calling him St. Boniface. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. There you go. I didn't know anything about St. Boniface, but now I, uh, now I know. Winifrith. Uh, feast day, June the 5th. And Andrew Santos is our saint expert. In about five minutes, what's happening across our country. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm John Devine, and you are listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, coming up is our diocesan update, but first... What's good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Pedro. Good to be back, as always. As, absolutely. So, uh, I've been asking you all this time, updates on Mary, Mother of Christ. This movie should be done by now. What's going on? Oh, it's in, it's in something. They have a term in Hollywood called development hell, and basically <laughs> it means that movies get churned over and over and over again, and names get attached and names get detached. So they haven't that's even, kind of the state that it's in right now. It's not even in production yet. Not even in production. It had a production date, and that kept getting pushed back. So, um, okay. But things have changed. I, I get the feeling there's been a bit of a shake-up, um, because it sounds like Al Pacino is no longer attached to this. Out of there. And, out of there. Out of there. Cut. Cut so. And uh, they have a new director for it as well, too. Okay. Who's that? So, and uh, this sounds very real because it landed on the Nikki Fink blog. And uh, if you don't know who Nikki Fink is, she's a, a very prominent blogger, and she basically gets the inside scoop on anything going on in Hollywood. So, okay, um, good. CEOs love and hate her. 
Um, but basically, uh, they have a new director. His name's Alistair Grierson. Uh, uh-huh. He directed a film that was executive produced by James Cameron, which is, you know, sounds really good. Um, but it was kind of like sort of a made for IMAX, very beautiful cinematography, cave diving kind of thing, but with a really uh, thin, ham handed kind of script. Yes. So Sanctum. we're not yeah. so sure about him. Yeah. Um, also, uh, it sounds like Al Pacino has been cut. He's no longer a part of it. Yep. Um, which I think is a good thing. Uh, from what I heard, he had actually wanted to make some pretty kind of weird changes to the film. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think I'd asked him to pray for this before, so yeah, maybe this is an answer to prayers. Who knows? Absolutely. Uh, so, can you? Do you know who's playing Mary and like who other any other actors that are a part of this? Uh, you know, I don't know much about it. So uh, her, it's an Israeli actress. Her name's uh, Odea Rush. Uh-huh. Uh, she's going to play Mary, um, and it also has Peter O'Toole oh, still cool. attached to it. So you know, that's kind of another big name. I, I think that's a good thing. Regardless, yeah. I, I can't see Peter O'Toole doing a bad job. No, he's a great actor. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that has me maybe a little worried about it is uh, they've attached um, uh, a Texas pastor by the name of Joel Osteen to it. Really? Um, How? Yeah. Like producing? Uh, as executive producer, okay. yeah. Oh, so and he's... usually that's a, a title you attach to someone who's contributing money. money to something or they're somehow very high up. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but it has me worried just because he is... Um, Sort of very well known for prosperity theology. Yeah, I've been, I've been to his church in Houston. I've been it's oh, the really? stadium okay. church. Yeah, I'm prosperity gospel. Yeah, all the way. Name, name it and claim it. If you if you believe and you speak it in faith, God will give you whatever you ask for, including lots of money. Well, he, he he's doing well. He's has a nice car. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can believe it. So. Maybe maybe they just want to make sure that they're not just appealing to Mary loving Catholics, and that they're you want to make sure that this you know is also inclusive of evangelical Christians who might not understand the whole Mary thing. Maybe. Well, you know, and, and that's actually, I, I agree. I think that's probably what's motivating them. Um, but I, I, I suspect what kind of, you know, they're kind of going, hey, okay, I think what, what's happening, I don't know a lot about the people who actually have the money behind this and who are producing this, but I think they just kind of say, hey, Passion of Christ, man, that made half a billion dollars. Right. I, I want to make a half a billion dollars. Let's make a Christian film. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of like a natural successor to it, but they don't quite understand the market. They don't understand. It's like Christians put a lot of money into the Passion of the Christ because it was essentially orthodox and it respected their views. And, you know, I, I don't think Joel Osteen, if you if you let him sway this film, it's not going to appeal to that same market. Absolutely, so it, yeah. I think this. I think that's probably what they're thinking, but I think it's going to backfire on them. So, so it sounds like we need to continue praying for this project. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's one of my core messages here is keep, please keep praying for it. Making a movie is such an incredibly difficult process. There's so many fingers in the pot. You've got executive producers, you've got directors, writers, um, and it's a miracle that good films ever get made. Well, so, and ultimately it's about money, isn't it, sadly? It, it, it is. Ultimately, the final decision is always made by the people with the money. Um, but usually the people with the money don't always know how to make those decisions. No, of so course it's not. really a question of who has their ear in this. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So, well, I'm, I'm excited about this project. I'm going to go look at Nikki Fink's blog. Um, people might be interested in that. Nikki, N-I-K-K-I-F-I-N-K-E. I'm sure if they just even... She has a, it's a Deadline Hollywood, I think is her website. Deadline Hollywood. Yeah. And even if they type in their name wrong, it'll come up because she's really popular. 
So, yeah, yeah. Um, all the inside gossip on Hollywood. So. All the inside gossip. Well, that, apart from here. Apart, apart from, from from the Catholic uh, Mark Matthews. Undercover gossip. missionary. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, Mark, that's great. We will continue praying for Mary, Mother of God, um, even that, sorry, Mother of the Christ. Christ. If they call Christ. it Mother of God, Joel Austin oh, will be funnier. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Mark. Um, thank you for the uh, the update, and we will continue praying for this project. Thank you, Pedro. So that's uh, What's Good About Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. He joined us on the phone from his home in L.A. Hi, I'm Chris Dimitrenko, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org radio or also off iTunes. And you can listen to Catholic music all day long on Salt and Light Radio at that same web address, and now it's time for our, our diocesan update. Sheridan is away this week, but sitting here for her is Salt and Light associate producer, Sebastian Gomes. Thank Sebastian, you, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks so much. Good to be here with you. Yeah. Okay, we've got a number of things going on across the country. Uh, so if you're listening, get a pen and get a piece of paper and uh, take, take some notes here. Okay. Um, first thing in Vancouver, big day for us is the premiere of Across the Divide. Right. Do- our own documentary, Salt and Light documentary. That's going to be... Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, June 3rd, um, the diocese out there is hosting this premiere. Um, if you want tickets or uh, any information, you can go to ac- our own website, saltandlighttv.org slash across the divide. Uh, it's going to be at 7.15 p.m. and it's going to be at the F- S- sorry, SFU Gold Corp Center f- for the Arts, which is 149 West Hastings Street in Vancouver. Yes, so that's go to our Simon w- Fraser University. That's um, right. We're very excited. And if, you, if you're excited, we've been talking about this, and, and Krista Matrenko, who produced the documentary, is going to be there, as will some other Salt and Light people. So if you're around, come say hello. That's right. That's right. Also in Vancouver, a uh, Catholic forum going on that looks very, very interesting. Uh, a topic on devotion to Jesus as God and man, one of those Christian paradoxes that's so yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. in our faith. Guest speaker is Father John uh, Horgan. Oh, yeah. Um, that's going to be on Tuesday, June 5th. So this coming Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. at St. Mary's Church, which is at 5251 Joy Street in Vancouver. Excellent. Um, yeah. So check that out if you can. If you, if you want more information, you can go to the website, dominicanlaity.ca uh, slash forum if you want to look at that particular forum. So check that out if you can. Uh, moving to where we are, the Archdiocese of Toronto, uh, the Dominican Institute is putting... Uh, putting on a, a series of lectures right now and there's one coming up on Wednesday so that's June 6th an introduction and appreciation to European art and that's from 6 to 8 p.m. at St. Michael's College at the Faculty of Theology uh, which is 95 uh, St. Joseph Street right downtown Toronto um, the topic for uh, this particular uh, session is mannerism to the Baroque um, which is uh, Tintoretto, El Greco, Bernini and Rembrandt um, looking at those uh, uh, styles, styles artists, and artists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the speaker is Reverend Dr. Marius Zarafa, who's a Dominican himself, also mm-hmm. a 2012 Aquinas visiting scholar at St. Michael's College. He's, I mean, renowned, an extraordinary scholar, art historian, and restorer. So you know he knows what he's talking about. Um, the series is basically an introduction to art history, okay. explores artistic, political, social, religious backgrounds of different eras and stuff like that. So it look, looks like it's going to be really, really interesting. Looks like it's the kind of thing you'd like to go to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. I would love to. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like that. It is free of charge, too. Oh, so, that's so good. So check that out if you can. Okay. That's always a plus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moving a little bit further east, the Archdiocese of Kingston, which is actually my home oh, uh, diocese before yeah. I moved to Toronto. Uh, Archbishop uh, Brendan O'Brien is celebrating his 25th mm. anniversary of Episcopal ordination. So that's wow. that's a that's a big one. Um, that's Sunday, June 24th, end of the month. 
Um, Mass will be at 3 p.m. at St. Mary's Cathedral, and there's going to be a reception on the cathedral lawn afterwards. So everybody in the diocese and beyond is, is invited to that. Uh, it's also his fifth fifth anniversary as uh, Archbishop of Kingston. Nice. So we, we send him our congratulations, and, and hopefully everybody can uh, can show up for that. Yeah. Um, finally, just one one more event in the Archdiocese of Montreal. Uh, there's a walk to fight hunger uh, that's going to be also tomorrow, June 3rd, uh, at, at 10 a.m. So it's a little bit... Uh, Giving you bringing this information a little bit late, but get there if you can. Um, it's going to start and finish at Vancouver Park on Nuns Island. Um, uh, you can look for it on the on the Archdiocese website uh, to get to get more information. Mm -hmm. Minimum donation of twenty dollars per participant. But the chairman and CEO of Boardwalk Rental Communities, who the diocese is partnering with to do this, will match all the donations. Nice. And the money uh, is going to go to. Uh, to provide evening meals for school children in the in the Verdon area, okay. specifically uh, uh, St. Wildboard's Soup Kitchen. So okay. come on out to okay. that if that's, you can. That's useful. That's kind of interesting, actually. Right. Anyway, thank awesome. you very much. Good job, no Sebastian. Problem. Okay, thanks. Um, that was good. Uh, Sebastian, our Salt and Light associate producer, sitting in for Sheridan with our diocesan update today. Coming up in our second half hour, how do we redefine? How do we define personhood? And a featured chat with singer-songwriter Tom Booth. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro Guevara Mann. Here in Canada, Conservative Member of Parliament for Kitchener Centre, Stephen Woodworth, has proposed a motion, Motion 312, that calls for the formation of a special committee to determine when a human being is formed. People are calling this the personhood bill, as it would, in effect, define when someone is recognized as a person under the Canadian Criminal Code. And to explain what all this would mean, we're now joined by Natalie Hudson-Sonnen. She's the Executive Director of Life Canada. Natalie, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Pedro. So can you explain, I, I kind of tried to explain it a little bit, but can you maybe do a little better explanation of what Motion 312 sure. is? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a motion, so it's not a bill. It's not a piece of legislation. Yeah. And in fact, it has no legislative consequences. So basically, it's a motion to look at uh, Canadian Criminal Code Section 223 mm -hmm. um, and to discuss it. So they, they wanted to strike a committee that will look at this definition from a medical and a scientific point of view and discuss whether or not this section 223 yeah. needs to be updated and basically what what it states is that a child becomes a human being within the meaning of this act when it has completely proceeded in a living state from the body of its mother so sorry before you continue let me just hmm. clarify because how do we go from defining a human being to defining a person are those two things not this are they different I think they're. I think they are legally. Yes, legally they're um, different. Personhood, I think, has different legal implications, um, and and my understanding is that this motion is not about personhood. It's about whether or not, uh, when a human, a child becomes a human being. Because you think that that would be, uh, uh, maybe I'm sort of being biased here, but a no-brainer. I mean, if you're a member of the human species at conception, yes. you're a human being. That's right. You'd be a person, and personhood would just be automatic. Um, automatic, yes. 
But I, I, I think um, this has kind of been an issue, particularly with the abortion issue, is that people have said, well, yes, 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 of course, it's a human being, but it's not a person. And only a person can, can have legal status. And only a person then can have rights and that sort of thing. Like but but I, I think what Stephen Woodworth is doing is, is kind of getting around that and just saying, look, let's just talk about whether, and the, the, the language of the criminal code is whether a child is a human being. A, ch- a child in the womb. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Isn't it incredible? <laughs> so, so let me just, again, maybe ask, ask, ask it differently. Currently, under the law in Canada, or under the Charter, the Canadian Charter of Rights, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, a child in the womb is, and the mother are considered one person. If um, a woman is pregnant. I, yeah, well, under the Charter of... It's, it's actually... This is under the Canadian Criminal Code. The Criminal Code, sorry. Right, right. So, it, it's not actually even... It's, it's, I'm not even sure if they would go so far as to say that. They're just, they're just saying that the child is not a human being. That, that's all they're saying is that the child is not a human being until it is completely preceded in a living state from the body of its mother. Okay. So, so completely preceded. Yes, so alive. Everything yes. alive. So, mm-hmm. and okay, and you also were clear to say that it's not a bill, it's a motion. That's and that it has right. no legislative power. So this is just, if the motion is passed, it just means that the members of parliament are, are agreeing that this is a conversation that we should have. Yes, yes. And basically a committee will then be struck, and the committee will consult with doctors and scientists, the scientific community. They'll bring in experts, and they'll kind of look into this and decide whether or not this is actually the case, that a child is not a human being until it's preceded from its mother's body. And could... I mean, like, what are the possibilities, do you think, I mean, could they determine that a child becomes, quote-unquote, a human being at three months? Or, like, is that a possibility in this conversation? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, they could say it becomes a human being at conception. They could say three months, six months. Um, we, we don't know. So, and, and, and Stephen Woodworth, the member who's put this motion forward, he's, he's not even going to go there at, at this point yet, you know, he's sort of saying, well, this committee could go anywhere. I just want the committee. So, I just want to discuss this in a scientific and, and, and medical um, context. Even if the result of the conversation is that they decide that, no, you become a human being at birth. Yes, he's willing, he's willing yes. to, yeah. Because, to, because he to trusts, kind of I guess he there. trusts the science. He mm-hmm. trusts the science, and so would I, I think. Um, yes. So, okay, again, back to kind of the practical aspects of it. So it was the motion has to be debated no matter what. So it was debated about a month ago for an hour. That's right. And it's going to be debated again for an hour next week? Yes, on June 7th. And then it's scheduled to go to vote on June 13th. That's right. And then do you know more or less how the discussion went? Is that all that stuff private or do we know how much support? Uh, Mr. Woodworth is getting, or well, I was there actually. I was there in the gallery when he gave his presentation. Really? Yeah, it was interesting. He spoke very well. It, it's uh, and I think uh, the Hansard text you can you can actually get the whole text of his speech. Yeah. And then each party was allowed um, uh, a response, so uh-huh. a rebuttal. So, so it kind of each, went around each political party. That's right. Okay. Uh, um, so, but was it a, uh, how much of a discussion was it in terms it of it wasn't it wasn't really a debate in, in, in that you know Stephen uh, Woodworth gave his 
speech, and then somebody from the Liberal Party stood up and, and spoke for 10 minutes, and then somebody from the NDP spoke, and then it came back around to the Conservatives. Um, and uh, the um, I forget his name now, Mr. O'Connor, I believe, uh-huh. stood up and spoke to it, against it, unfortunately, and then, uh, you know, it went around again for, for the hour, and then it was um, closed. And is it the kind of thing that, was it like full house or because sometimes MPs don't show up for these things? Yeah, interestingly, it was not a full house no. and there were a lot of MPs that were missing. Presumably a lot of pro-life MPs were there? Yes, um, there there were definitely members from the pro-life parliamentary caucus yeah, who and, were present. Mm-hmm. And from what you heard of the discussion, were the comments that, that were raised, were they... I mean, was it sensible? Was it an intelligent conversation? Or were people still kind of going back to the abortion issue? They, they definitely went back to the abortion issue. And it was a lot of the rhetoric that, you know, this debate is closed, really? that we have decided this debate a long time ago, and how dare they challenge women's rights and this sort of thing. So it was the language was very inflammatory, unfortunately. It was. Um, despite the fact that Stephen Woodruff himself just kept saying this is something that I feel is is archaic. The language is not medically and scientifically yeah. tenable. You're setting up a position where the law says that some human beings are not human beings, and the implications of that are very dangerous, and we need to talk about it. Right. So he, that was his main point. Right. So if, let's say, in the case that this motion would be accepted, and so the com- committee was created, and let's say that the committee mm-hmm. was sensible enough to accept science and they would redefine essentially redefined personhood they would they what they would do is for the sake of homicide laws they would redefine section 223 of the canadian criminal code which it see that the the this section deals with homicide so they would then have to decide um, if, if you know, the, the human being is a human being at the moment of conception, then they would have to rethink this in, in terms of what would then be a homicide. Exactly. So presumably, mm-hmm. and this is what I guess all the, the pro-abortion people are concerned about, is that presumably this could mean that if personhood, you know, if someone inside the womb is considered a person mm-hmm. with individual rights and freedoms under the criminal code, then abortion would would be considered homicide i i i suppose there are those are the implications down the line mm-hmm. yeah um mm-hmm. so wh- is there anything that people can do at this stage some of our listeners that might be interested or concerned yes absolutely um there's uh the official pe- petition um and it's very important actually if the petitions get signed and sent to their members of parliament because okay. when a member of parliament receives a, p- a petition of 25 names or more they have to stand up in the house of commons and present it oh, they're so, obligated so 25 so, names or more that's right so these would be hand signed petitions with your name and address and so on and it can go to any member of parliament it doesn't have to go to to your member of parliament in your Writing, it can go to any member of parliament who will stand up, who you know will, you know, take this obligation seriously so this is and the peti- stand up in the house. This is the petition that's on your website, lifecanada.org. Yes, that's um, right. If you people go to lifecanada.org, go to the petitions section. That's right. And they can it's, print the form. They can print up the form. They can also sign our online petition. Okay. 
Um, and that's just showing support in general okay. for this whole thing. So you can but, do both. Um, they can do both. Mm-hmm. So I should print it and get everybody at my work to sign it, and then I that's can send right. it to my own MP. That's right. Okay, so then that's something really, really useful and tangible that it people is. can do. It is. And Stephen Woodworth, um, you know, we've been talking back and forth with him, has asked that people please contact their members of parliament yes. and urge them to vote in favor of this. Okay. Um, it definitely, I mean, obviously the, the long-term implications of this are quite serious, as abortion is a serious issue. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just want to say this, that the majority of Canadians do support some kind of legislation, legislative protection for unborn human life. Yes. Um, our polling shows that, you know, it's as high as 72% on an annual basis. Yes. So, you know, it's something that, that is on the hearts and minds of Canadians. They want to see some kind of legal some, protection. Some protection, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to leave it at that. But this has been very informative, I hope. Uh, for me, it has been, but I hope for our listeners. And, and it's good to, to, to give them something to do. So yes. we've been speaking. Uh, thank you very much, Natalie. This is You're been, very this welcome. Has been great. So that was Natalie hudson Sonnen. She's the Executive Director of Life Canada. Again, if you want to learn more about Motion 312, visit their website, lifecanada.org, and go to the petitions section. There's information there, and you can print the petition. You can also sign the online petition um, and support this motion. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Tom Booth, with his song, Captured, from the album of the same name. Like a monument, I have built my own meaning And the test of time To resist the winds Even though the winds might be you I have built my monument Under the weight of my own importance
into your storm of love I am ready to be captured capture me that was Tom Booth with the title track of his album captured Now, I met Tom Booth more than 10 years ago at some Catholic conference. I think it was the National Catholic Youth Conference, NCYC, in 2001. That year it was in Indianapolis. And I remember because we were getting ready for World Youth Day 2002. And Tom is one of those Catholic singers who's been in ministry faithfully now, I think, and he's going to correct me in a little bit, but I think for almost 25 years. He's been involved with many, many projects, many national initiatives. Uh, Probably one of the bigger ones that you might recognize is Life Teen. And also he's done a lot of work with Franciscan University. Um, And we'll talk about all the other stuff that he's been doing. But I'm so excited to have Tom Booth join me now on Salt and Light Radio. Tom, welcome to the show. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me on. So before we kind of go through all the kajillion things you're doing, I want to back up. So what was it like growing up in the Booth household? Was it a Catholic home? Was it full of music? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, My parents were converts to the church uh, in the the 1950s. So I'm like the first generation Catholic in our our family. Um, My dad, very passionate musician, singer, drummer. Uh, My mom sang in choir. But we just grew up with uh, a happy home. It was a, a very artistic home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have siblings, brothers, sisters? Oh, yeah, yeah. My brother is the better singer and a great drummer. <laughs> oh, good. Really, really amazing dude. And my sisters all danced and sang and were in plays. And, yeah, so it was a loud, happy home. Okay, so, like, did your parents make you guys, like, play together and you'd do, like, the Von Trapp thing? or? Mm-hmm. We never really did the Von Trapp thing. I supp- Well, I do remember early on, Everybody picking parts in musicals when we played the soundtrack, you know. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> but it was a very creative, uh, very creative, supportive home, especially with the arts. I think the arts were kind of something we were to do. Yeah. Now I know when you went to university, you studied music. So were you taking like piano lessons and stuff growing up as well? Well, I took guitar lessons. Guitar. Um, I took piano lessons in college. Uh, but mainly guitar. I didn't start till I was in the eighth grade. But my brother and I and my dad all played the drums. And the reason I started playing guitar is I thought, well, this is boring. Three drummers. <laughs> what are we going to do? Stomp. You know, but we could have done stomp. We yeah, exactly. The first one. You, know? you could have the booth stomp. See, missed opportunity. So, did you as a because I want to know how you got into ministry. Did you kind of, were you always faithful Catholic that you never had any issues with the church or did you go through a little bit of a conversion experience or anything like that? Uh, the latter of the two. I never had any issues with the church, but I had no issues with the church, meaning no real connection. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, so for me it was definitely a conversion at the age of 17, a real encounter with Jesus. I was welcomed into a charismatic prayer meeting. Yes. Yeah. Um, had good priests who would listen to me, talk, to, talk, you know, answer my questions. But it was really pain uh, that introduced me to God. <laughs> As it often happens. <laughs> yeah, but it was a beautiful pain, right? Anything that introduces us to Jesus, the Scriptures, the Holy Mass, uh, and that's what it was like for me. Yeah. 
Now, how did you get involved with the Life Teen Gang? Well, we kind of started. Uh, I was, uh, you know, when I got out of college, um, you know, I wanted to serve God. I wanted to serve the church. And I had a, you know, experience in music and philosophy and religious studies. And so you go to a parish and the priest says, you work with the kids. Yeah, you know? of course. Um, I never felt like I was that hip, but I, I love God and I love the church and I, I love to write music. So basically we started this evening mass way back in 1985 mm -hmm. and it grew into this movement called Life Teen and uh, I haven't been really directly involved with Life Teen in many years, but still know the good people that are that are doing that outreach and of course you know very happy to have been a small part of it. Yeah, no, that's great, and I know a lot of people. We actually have Life Teen in my parish. It exists everywhere. It's truly a movement. So you were part of like that started in your parish. It was your youth mass that you were. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I'm um, thanks for it, and sometimes I'm, you know, <laughs> not so thanks for it. But all we were simply trying to do, Pedro, is, you know, of course the Mass is relevant to any human person because it answers the, you know, the, the core of who we are, yeah. uh, the hunger for God, right? Natural law says we need God. So yes. but I, what I was trying to do is music that was relevant to the culture that was around me, speaking in a language that young people would understand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it worked. Um, now, you're very busy. You have a band. You're touring. You you do some preaching and singing. You do parish missions. You own and operate a recording studio, and you're producing some uh, a lot of people, but some Catholic artists, actually some Salt and Light, uh, our guests like Danielle Rose and Steve Angrisano, some of the ones that we know. Um, you also, I'm not quite sure what you're doing part-time for Oregon Catholic Press and Spirit and Song. You're married, <laughs> you have three kids. That's, <laughs> do you have like... I wish I could, I wish part of that wasn't true, but it's all true. But we should start with the married and three kids. You know, yes. first location is to Tammy and our three kids are, my goodness, 20, 19, and 14. Amazing. That's their ages, respectively, and they're beautiful, beautiful, artistic, wonderful kids that I learned from daily. But of course, Tammy is is first, and then all of that ministry is true. I guess it'd be important to tell you that we moved five and a half years ago to the deserts of Tucson uh -huh. to slow down, you know, to slow down and to pray differently. Uh, I'm really trying to nurture the, my contemplative spirit, which I've discovered in the midst of all this human doing, that I really am a contemplative. Yeah. Um, and so, but it's amazing. You go away and you pray and you read and you be quiet, and all of a sudden, you have more to say, so... Yeah, uh, it's true. That, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> no, it's true. Hey, better than sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> well, though, however, <laughs> sometimes that is the injunction to the contemplative. Sit there and do nothing and just be. So that's the challenge yeah, for me. I, I should do know. more of nothing. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Contemplatives, you know, it's like, I don't know, I mean, you know, Benedictine monks or whatever, and you think that all they do is sit and pray. I mean, they do have a regimented sort of prayer life in terms of sanctifying the day and maybe that's what you're saying that you're missing i'm not sure um uh, but they're just as busy with you know this or that or making candles or feeding the chickens or yeah. whatever they're doing so work is yeah. good work is good work sanctifies I, the work day. is great i just for me is i was in a place and maybe there's youth ministers music ministers i'm sure even priests and sisters and deacons who would know this that we just work, work, work without prayer yes. we're in a dangerous place. And, you know, so for me, just trying to make sure I'm rooted in prayer, rooted in the quiet, you know, rooted in the sacraments, um, 
and then from there minister. That's just my own challenge. No, you know? yeah, and you have to because, and I, I, I mean, I was, I wanted to ask you about songwriting and how can you write the kind of music that you write if you're not rooted in prayer anyway? I mean, you just, <laughs> you, you just finished writing. Yeah. T- I mean, you. It's funny you were talking about moving to the desert. You just finished uh, recording the new setting of this this new mass, the mass of the desert. So how can you yeah. ev- even begin I'm to... I'm so re- excited about that setting, yeah. But I, I, I can... And, Im- and it's something... Yeah? No, I was going to say, I can imagine that you have to be rooted in prayer to write a mass setting. Well, I've done it the other way. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's not the answer you know, I'm looking for, man. <laughs> I mean, isn't that true, though? I mean, we have all ministered. I mean... Yeah. That's the challenge, you know, that our you. ministry flows out of our prayer, and our life flows out of our prayer, not the other way around. And, you know, um, it's not shaking a finger and shooting shame and blame, but it's just, for me, after all these years of ministry, just wanting to make sure I'm really rooted in, in the Spirit, have good spiritual direction, um, yeah. you know, people that I can can answer to and that's all but it's not about not doing yeah it's just probably about doing better you know and what i've discovered is and in 04 i had a new commitment to the interior life and to you know really to be a man of prayer uh, what happens and you know this better all of a sudden there's just so much more clarity and it's, it's like you you mentioned the monks you know their work is just going to flow all the better so hopefully that's what's happening and um, this mass of the desert. Very excited about that. Very excited about producing these younger artists and mentoring them. Yeah. And what's great is inviting them to the desert and bringing them here. And the first thing I do is say, "Keep your guitar in your case. Let's go to the chapel. Let's go for a walk. Let's nice. talk about the body, soul, and spirit, and that, you know, being a a sound human person. And then let's minister from that place." It sounds sounds great. I I need to go to the desert. Um, <laughs> Come on out, man. So, uh, uh, other than this mass, so this mass, you've just recorded it, but it's not published yet? Like, is it? Is it's it, not published yet. Is it OCP? Yeah, OCP is very interested, yeah. Okay. And um, had I've been touring with these uh, these great musicians, and we, we really are brothers in faith and in music, and when we recorded this, these parts, it's just really powerful stuff. So that and some new songs as well. Okay, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um and we need to get you up here back to Canada, my friend. Well, do you know, I don't know if we ever had this conversation. I'm 25% Canadian. We might I've have never, had this conversation. I've never told you that. I, well, maybe, maybe 25% maybe like a grandparent? Yeah, like a grandparent. Yeah, my grandmother <laughs> is uh, Edmonton. You know? oh. So my mom's mom, yeah, is full on. And so, wow. Yeah. So what are you so, waiting for? Forget, forget the deserts of Arizona. You can go to the deserts of the Yukon. Well, bring me out there. I will come with the band. I'll come by myself, whatever, with my wife, and we'll play music and eat sushi and minister. Eat, eat sushi, absolutely. Anyway, this is great. It's been great having you on the program. Great chatting with you because it's been a while. Um, I'm glad that you're busy, and I'll, I'll pray for you, my friend, that you uh, stay rooted. Can I say thank you to you, Pedro, the, the ministry you have been doing consistently and, and in such a classy way. I, from afar, we know each other, but I admire you and really thank you for what you're doing for the Lord, for the church, for the kingdom. Well, thank you. You know, everybody's got their place and their gifts, so that's what we do. Um, thank you.
and uh, let's stay in touch, okay? Pray for me, man. God bless you. I will. That was Tom Booth. He joined us on the phone from the desert in Arizona. He was our featured artist of the week. You can learn more about Tom or to get how to find out how to get his music. Check him out at tomboothmusic.com. Here now is Tom Booth with his song. I love this song. And speaking of the desert, I think this is totally appropriate. Sacred Silence from his album Unravel. Sacred Silence Holy ocean, gentle water washing over me. Help me listen. Holy Spirit. We're listening to Tom Booth's Sacred Silence from his album Unravel, and that will bring us to the end of the program. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's where you can download this podcast and also where you can now listen to uninterrupted Catholic music all day long thanks to the support of wonderful Catholic artists like Tom Booth. You can also follow what we do at Salt and Light on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for your financial support, for your prayers. We cannot do our work without you. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Sacred silence, holy ocean, gentle water washing over me. Help me listen, Holy Spirit, come and speak. Gentle Mother, God's pure vessel, praying for me. Saints and angels, all in heaven, come and be with me. Speed.